0: Welcome to the Critical Media Studies Podcast. We're your hosts, Mike Rapici and Barry Falk.
1: Dr. Michael, how are you? Uh, Dr. Barry, I'm well. How are you? I'm doing fine. I'm excited to be talking about, as I always am in our conversations, uh, excited to be talking about um, Yevgeny Morozov. And my main feeling about uh, Yevgeny Morozov in particular, we're talking about a 2013, this is one of the Powerful things about this, and one of the exciting things about this, I have just discovered you have Jenny Morisov. We're talking about a New Yorker uh, essay that he wrote called Only Disconnect. Uh, and it's from 2013, but I feel it's extremely timely and extremely relevant, whereas so much media theory is kind of immediately invalid after its sell-by date. And the sell-by date is usually about a Yesterday. month after is published, right? Um, in this case, we're we're looking at an essay that is almost what is over 10 years old. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking it is extremely relevant uh, to our circumstances and for our purposes, dear Dr. Mike. It's relevant for us in that um, Morisov is taking up an issue or using some similar terms. Um, some of the terms that we were bandying about when we were talking about the essay by Romero. Is it Alberto Alberto Romero? Um, Yes. Um, And his essay on the need for radical boredom or the need for boredom uh, or the need to avoid, put it more positively, the need to avoid the lure of distraction that's offered constantly by our media devices. And um, in this 2013 essay, raises a lot of the same questions and issues, and also proffers a similar, a kind of similar solution to the problem of the issue of media distraction that Romero contemplates. But I would say that he frames the problem uh, in a more congenial way and in a way I think is more pra- here's what I really like about him I find it a more practical solution to the problem of constant media distraction than the the solution that Romero offers uh, I'm going to let you talk now but I can be more explicit about what
0: I'm curious Morisov so, is before doing before we, jump we in. can
1: talk about the essay in general
0: before we jump in i want you to let's jump in well before or let's not jump in we're we're going to know why did you say you Uh, feel like this was a more practical take
1: oh yes because i think it's more practical in one sense in more practical in that well i'm going to partly get into the 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 business of describing uh describing um essay but we can return to it and Fill in the picture, but I'll try and answer your question directly by sort of, you know, jumping ahead a little bit and saying what Morisov, trying to paraphrase or summarize what Morisov talks about. So Morisov is interested in this question of um, key worries, like Romero does, about the, the enticements of the Internet. And the many distractions and pleasures, the pleasurable distractions that the media the internet offers us. He is concerned, like Romero was, that if we make too much avail of it, that we're gonna be stupid. We're gonna Mm -hmm. get we're gonna be perpetually distracted and no longer shades of Bernard Stiegler, shades of a lot of people we read, no longer able to think, because we're always on the media turntable, whirlwind, whatever. Right. Because because we're constantly chasing our own pleasure. Now, Romero, you'll remember, uh, says, we got to be willing to sit still in our room. And he quotes Pascal saying, mm-hmm. like, sometimes we just have to sit still in our room. And Romero says, we got to embrace boredom. And I think, I as I recall our last episode, we were trying to think of ways in which we could, we were trying to paint that as a positive picture. Because paint that in a positive Paint. Let me start again. We were trying to think of a positive way to frame Romero's solution to the problem of media distraction, constant internet distraction. And we were trying to um think of ways in which we could think of boredom,
0: mm-hmm.
1: not something that anyone wants to embrace. So we were trying to think of positive ways to do it. I don't really remember, I, I mean, the, my best recollection. Of what we were saying, I was trying to paint being bored positively, and I was thinking, just maybe it means uh, pockets of quiet.
0: I don't know something yeah, we, like we we we, we we tried to connect it to Stiegler's idea of noesis, where we're essentially Dreaming, daydreaming, stepping away, I and do daydreaming.
1: Right, right. Okay, so I, I'll try and round out the answer to your question. So. We were talking about um, how we're trying to give a positive spin to the boredom, to the embrace of boredom that Romero is calling for. Um, I feel now I answer your question directly. Morozov is working the same terrain, but I feel it's a more practical answer. And by practical, than Romero proffers, because I think one of the problems of Romero's contemplation or suggestions on the problem. One of the problems with it is that no matter how hard you try, you can't sell the idea that you should always be bored just because it's better for you. It's like you can't always be eating your broccoli. Now, I mean, you can't say, well, you need to eat your broccoli more. In fact, you should be eating your broccoli all the damn time and Mm -hmm. get off the internet, eat your broccoli. I, I don't think that's practical. And what I think is more practical by Morozov, this is what I mean by saying that he's addressing the problem, but I think it's more practical. So I'm trying to answer your question, is that he doesn't make it a, a Morozov uh, isn't just telling you, eat your broccoli. He isn't counseling you to have, he's counseling you to have quiet time like Romero does. But he's not saying you should only lust after and long for the quiet time. He admits the lure of the internet. Morozov admits that we like the internet for a reason. We like it precisely because it distracts us. Mm-hmm. And Romero kind of wants to push that away and discount it and say, no, no, eat your broccoli. I see Morozov as being more practical, i.e. more suited to human nature, because he's saying... Listen, we know you don't always want to eat your broccoli. We know there are times you want to fill in your favorite food here, but let's think about the internet and the possibilities in both. Um, uh, as As a let's think of the internet as a pharmacon in a way. It's positive and negative. It's distracting you, and distraction is not a bad thing in and of itself. It can be a good thing. Some distraction is okay, it's cool, it's all right to like. That's what I read him as saying, and maybe you're reading it differently. But well, no, I think that's why I I call them more practical.
0: Okay, no, that I think that that's interesting. Um, I actually and I didn't catch this until you started talking, and I I went and took a peek at, at the article again. One of the things he does that I think is interesting, and you're right, Romero seems to really portion off this notion of boredom as something unto itself something unto itself, right Right. is is like our vegetables right we need it make
1: sure you eat them no matter what
0: and he's uh, now you got you you know i want to give him credit he's not at all wrong when he's saying there's this sort of narcotic pull to uh the you know to the to the distraction that, that the web offers us um Morzoff does something really fascinating. And so I think it's important first to say that you know he's channeling uh Krakauer a lot here. And- Siegfried
1: Krakauer, and let's just give him a little bit of context. German thinker, uh, in the same circles as Theodor Adorno and Walter Benjamin. So dare I say, Krakauer is a friend of this podcast. Uh,
0: yeah. And we will return to dare him. I say? We'll, we'll we'll return to him in short order. But <laughs> Um, so to, to summarize very briefly, he talks about Krakauer's article arguing that back in the 20s, people were overstimulated and suffering from- Or
1: worried about being worried about, that, that. But, but really
0: a, a frighteningly astute observation of the, uh, what we say, maybe the limits of attention and the, uh, you know, the the consequences perhaps of exceeding those limits. But um, there's an interesting moment, uh, I'd say about two-thirds of the way through this essay. And I want to read this actually, because I think that Morozov hits kind of something really interesting that I, I, I missed it the first time. But he's talking about um, the, the train. And the, here, let me let me just, let, let, let me jump into this, Okay. Um for what is modernity, if not a collection of pockets of silence and distraction? Consider the Amtrak train. Yes, we get Wi-Fi, but we also get the quiet car, and is there a more beloved and trusted American institution today than the quiet car?" And he goes on a little bit later, mm-hmm. and he says, the idea that trains can be places of si- sacred disconnection would puzzle Flaubert. This shouldn't detract us from cultivating our own gardens of connection or disconnection. This would invariably involve creating zones that run on different rules of media engagement. So here he's really talking right. not about, this isn't throw the baby out with the bathwater, right? This is like, look, no. we just need to- And it to isn't, be,
1: only eat your be- isn't only eat your broccoli and get used to broccoli, make sure you eat it.
0: No, he's, he, he's being mindful that maybe there are better ways of engaging. But this is, yeah. so you, you skip for a little bit. He says, these gardens won't be built- Until we stop treating boredom and distraction as somehow at odds with each other.
1: There you go. And that
0: was fascinating to me. Krakow, for one, never did. As much as he favored radical boredom, he neither disdained, uh, excuse me, he disdained neither modern technologies nor the masses with their penchant for dance, travel, and slapstick films. On the contrary, all these diversions, he thought, could help sabotage modernity's efforts to shove people, quote, into an everyday life that turns them into henchmen of the technological excesses. So, you know, to me what's really fascinating about this is that he has married this idea of boredom and distraction. Right. leveraged differently as a means of combating the very thing that Absolutely. a different version of boredom and distraction
1: Absolutely right. That's a key point. That's a key point. And the key point that you make is that, and this I think is what uh I I love the Romero essay, so that I'm I'm not bashing it, but I think this is a more intellectually helpful move. This is more, I won't say intellectually helpful. I think it's just a more helpful move to think of these things in a to think of boredom and distraction. So you have a binary basically in Romero. Mm -hmm. it's boredom versus distraction and And let me
0: let me let me pause you for a second there the idea there i think is that distraction is all-encompassing and is this this sort of vapid pursuit right it's it's hollow whereas boredom as romero's looking at it is more of this Well, I'm going to sort of recycle my argument from last time, right? This sort of Stiglarian open space where you- Absolutely. It's an
1: openness and an emptiness that's beautiful and it could be filled with great things as opposed to boredom, as opposed to distraction rather.
0: Whereas, So how would you then uh, qualify or characterize um, Morozov's notion of- Boredom and distraction.
1: Well, the main thing to be said about it, I think there are many things to be said about it that we can talk about, but I think the main thing we can uh, we can say about it, the first thing to be said about it is this, unlike Romero, he's not separating the two. Mm-mm. Whatever he's suggesting about media, and here he follows Siegfried Krakauer and Krakauer's purposely dialectical, um, i.e., non-binary approach to film film both distracts you and uh, allows you what's the opposite of distraction allows you a place for being idle being idle right right Um, in a productive way idleness Mm -hmm. in a productive way so in the same way that Krakauer refuses to think about the new media of his day film in a binary way it's all good or all bad um morosov is refusing categorically to separate the pole, one pole the pole of distraction from the pole of boredom instead he's thinking he's urging us to think of as Krakower did to think of to think in terms of a media environment or ecology that encompasses both poles of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. And that I think is what I was saying is both more practical, but I think it's even more intellectually flexible. I, I just think it's a better move overall than what Romero finally counsels us to do.
0: So I am I have um one more question about this, sure. because it seems that the answer here, as morozov is putting it is look it's not that these new media are inherently bad bad you're just <laughs> right. using them in a way that prejudices them to one pole over another yes so that's it, it and that's easy... the problem right well right so it would be easy to take that one step further and say look it's not being plugged in that's the problem. It's the nature of that being plugged in, which needs to be reconsidered. And I think he's very good at leaving room for this argument to sort of take Ooh. root. So, why is he called this essay only disconnect? Because. <laughs> well, he, he because made that, that sacrifice. But, oh, go ahead. I'm I'm saying, because that seems odd. Like, you know, when, when you look it at this, the you know what you you know we're talking about new media here right and we're saying okay and this is uh an article essentially on the the value of boredom a radical boredom right and radical distraction and so it's easy to sort of terminologically jump to conclusions and say okay look we have to kill the machines we have to go live right, right. You know, on our thing. back and stare at the sky that i i'm curious as to how and um you know, by the way, I, I did not mean this is a gotcha question. I'm literally looking down at this. I'm like, wow. No, I mean,
1: I think I have the answer to it. I'd, I'd love to hear it. Yeah, it because, I, don't, I don't feel it's gotcha. Okay, no, because uh, I'm not
0: trying to do that. I'm, but, I'm, but I, but, I but,
1: but go ahead.
0: I'm sorry. So uh, why, why only disconnect? Like, what is it that we are disconnecting from if it's a question of the nature of the engagement, not the engagement itself?
1: Well, I said I have the answer to this, and maybe I don't, but I suspect that what happened is this. The title is not dialectical because the title is referring uh to EM Forster to Howard's End the main the main motif in Howard's End is that the characters strive uh the best characters you know the protagonists of Howard's End um they're always urging us to connect and the narrator even says only connect that becomes a slogan of Howard's End so he's making a pun He's saying instead of Forster's only connect, and th- that way leads to mental happiness. He's saying only disconnect. So, but uh, but he, uh, let me finish the the um, finish the point. I think he sacrificed. So he's it's a funny nod to Ian Forster, but it doesn't do justice for his argument because his argument is not only disconnect. Okay. His argument, it, and like you say, the title is at odds with the essay that follows because the essay is smart, and and in fact, it, the whole essay is at odds with the title because he immediately he immediately cites Krakauer, mm-hmm. and Krakauer's whole thing is to not disconnect. But to connect to media, to connect to films, don't be afraid of films. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so the whole essay is at odds with the title. But I think he just wanted to make a joke.
0: Oh, <laughs> I don't. I don't like not getting the joke. Okay.
1: <laughs> oh well, it's not a big deal. It's not no, a big deal. No, I'm, I'm not, just saying. I'm, I think that, and I may be wrong, but I think that's what's going on there. Is that the title? The title is simplistic. And the essay, we're admiring it for not being
0: simplistic. So let me let me ask you one more uh, question in the same vein, because this is how he mm-hmm. he he wraps mm-hmm. his argument up here, and I think mm-hmm. that this is, this was the question for me. He 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 says both radical boredom and radical distraction, and I take those to be Krakauer's terms, mm-hmm. um, can get us closer to such quote authentic rapture within the into- the inauthentic domain. Uh, he says the trick is to honor and celebrate both of them and not settle for their tepid, mediocre versions. So we understand that the what what seem to be at opposite ends of the pole here, boredom and distraction, are really just you know on the same coin, right? They're on not the they're not coin. oppositional right, right, here. Right, 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 um, right. So, but there is a difference between the radical version of these and their tepid, mediocre versions, and. I'm wondering, because I don't get a sense here that Morozov gives us really any indication of where he draws that line between something radical and something mediocre. And, Mm -hmm. you know, to me, the distinction would necessarily lie in two places, right? Mm -hmm. One, are we properly oriented to media in a way that avoids being tepid and mediocre? So have we managed to align ourselves with these media in a way that helps us to do something positive, right? To yield uh, positive, productive boredom as opposed to this sort of empty, stagnant plate, right? Um, but but also, I, I have to feel like this has something to do with the nature of our engagement, not just the, the nature mm-hmm. of our connection, but how we actually, because to me, right, like, just being outside of something, mm-hmm. but being fully inert, that cannot be radical, right? That if you're just a, a, st- a bump on a log, so to speak, right? There's nothing radical about that. You're just, in, you're, you're taking up space. I mean, that don't take a whole lot of difference between that and staring at the the worst, you know, that, that YouTube has to offer. So to me, it has to do not just with how we're aligned, but also the nature of our engagements once we're aligned properly. I don't hmm. know where that is, though. You know what? Like because it's t- because the second we start to attach value to that, I, hmm. I I have a hard time seeing that as boredom or distraction. I'm wondering how you understand that.
1: Hmm. A couple things here, you know. I, I let, before I answer that directly, I I re- we probably should say something about we're laying the game on this but maybe it's worth sort of
0: this is good think something
1: about morisov
0: like (laughs) where he's coming from okay i mean
1: i I just know some basic things and maybe uh, let me use that as a kind of uh way of sort of prefacing the answer i'm sorry Sure. sure go ahead okay um so just to sort of orient listeners who may not be aware of Morosov and I was I was one of those people who wasn't aware of Morosov until Michael pointed me out. But um I think this is pertinent because I find his position as articulated in this essay a little bit at odds with his other work and where he comes from. So um Morosov is from Belarus and he kind of made a name for himself. Um you were talking about the the book you're familiar with, uh, Michael. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, was it the net effect or something net like delusion that? Net delusion well and that said the title says it all um his basic first strike in in media theory was like against people who said you know the only thing you need in belarus you know the only thing china needs right now is a good google washing or a good google whacking mm-hmm. as soon as they get the internet as soon as uh as soon as they get the internet there's going to be a revolution in China. As soon as Google gets behind uh you know the I don't know uh, penetrates China's barriers everything is going to be different. And the same thing in the former Soviet Union. Once you give these people Google and once they get on YouTube it's we're all going to be having this planetary consciousness right, and he right. it, like so he his first intervention is the net isn't all that. The net isn't all that. Chances are, you know, in fact, not chances are what he saw on the ground in Belarus. That's why I bring it up. Mm-hmm. What he saw on the ground in Belarus is that you can give people internet devices and access to platforms. But what they tend to do is sort of replicate the most mundane kinds of behavior. Right, and interactions. Right. Of okay. So it's kind of interesting. So, Given that that's his, that's what, you know, how he made his name in media theory, this sort of dissenting argument to this idea that technology is always empowering and always, you know, enabling and always enables democratic uh, decision making and processes. It's kind of interesting that this isn't just a dig at the internet, right? So, getting back now to a more direct answer to your question. I find it interesting that he isn't saying uh, get off the internet and only go to safe spaces but that he kind of likes the fact that the internet distracts us to no purpose, gives us entertainment that is quote unquote mindless mm-hmm. I mean he kind of says that's a that's part of modernity. For him, the experience of being modern, And he's using that term in the same way that somebody like Walter Benjamin or Siegfried Krakauer would use it, like part of modernity writ large. But more specifically, um, Morisov is thinking about our particular moment of digital modernity. And he's saying the same thing that Krakauer said in regard to film. Uh, Don't be afraid of film. It has some positive things. It has some negative things. Make sure that you use it along with other things. Um, so okay, now let me allow me a quick answer. Now I, I was digressive, no, no, allow no, me was, a that quick was, that was answer to your uh, a quick answer to your question about what's he on about in terms of degrees of um, you know, how do you how do you characterize or distinguish radical boredom from Tepid boredom or uh, radical distraction from bad distraction or deadening distraction. Well, okay, I'm going to skirt the question uh, a little bit by saying, I don't know if I have an answer to that. And I don't think Morisov makes it clear. But working in the same passage that you read from, I want to read another sentence. Pick up where you left off. And here, I think he does give a good Krakauer-inspired answer to your question. So a little bit later on, not not too far from where you were reading, Michael, uh, he says this. And, and I, I like the fact that he uses, he's enlisting Krakauer. I like, you know, this is worth saying. I like the fact that even though he's talking about digital culture and he's very concerned about digital culture, he quotes Krakauer with respect. And that he feels that there's something to be learned by these older about from these older media critics who were talking about the new media of their day. So I, I like that aspect of his essay as well. But anyway, he quotes I'll read now, I'll just read briefly this one sentence here. Krakauer wrote a celebrated essay on the distracting potential of the cinema. But it's in his essay on travel and dance that reaffirms the need to create diverse pockets of experience. Krakauer saw travel and dance as strategies to suspend the growing rationalization of modern life. And now I promise I'll quit talking, but I'll I'll sum up uh now an answer to your question that hopefully will be fairly concise, at least in my terms, Um, at least concise as far as Barry Falk gets. (laughs) So I don't think he gives a good answer to your question about the degrees of boredom and um, distraction that we should be striving. I I don't know if he provides a good answer to your excellent question, but I think he does answer your question elsewhere in his, this second invocation of Krakauer, which is, very much in keeping with this idea of media ecologies and media environmentalism that he wants to, I mean, when he says, Krakauer feels that there are practices in modernity that allow you to be modern and a kind of internal, also allow you a kind of internal distance from your modernity. And so there is a way in which travel is deadening and enlivening. There's a way in which dance is automatic in hours view. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Dance is automatic and deadening, but also enlivening. The fact that there are pockets of modernity that allow you to be both bored and distracted, engaged and disengaged, um, that... That's what you should be searching for. So, to me, I think that's the real answer, the real solution, not this idea of like there are degrees of boredom and distraction. No, I think that-
0: I, I, th- I think your answer was actually profoundly helpful to me because, as I'm thinking about it, you know, and the more we talk about it, the more that this essay and this argument really do become profoundly pragmatic and not at all dogmatic. Right? He's not saying good bad um uh, you know he he he's not offering specific direction i think what he's looking at here is hey you know there are multiple ways to engage with new media right some of them are cat videos on youtube and that's a thing and that's a thing you can do and that is i i would i'm 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 guessing here that that probably constitutes tepid boredom or tepid distraction and they don't necessarily need to be different, right? Because again, this is gonna be largely contextual. But I think what he's also looking at is that, hey, you know, these notions of boredom and distraction, like the internet itself, are really idiosyncratic. Yeah, And I think that this yeah. nature, yeah. the nature of this argument is basically saying, look, the answer that I'm about to give here is not the same for you and for me. But right. certainly, right. 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 Can, but certainly you can do better than cat videos, whatever that is for you. That's what you should like be that. doing. That I think is what he would call radical. Like there's nothing inherently, and this is unsatisfying in a way, but I think it's right. There's nothing inherently right or wrong or good or bad because it depends on what your personal, you know, what, what, what's your ideology is? Where are you?
1: Well, that is in keeping with the strategy that he's advocating that we like, Uh which is he's not saying, which you're, I like what you're saying a lot because you're saying he's asking us to be able to pivot and modulate and be, you know, embrace different kinds of things for our, to create our media environment. And that's in keeping with what we seem to like about the essay, which is, it's not a question of either or let's mm-hmm. be bored or let's be, you know, distracted.
0: Well, I think, I think, and it's been a long time since I read the net delusion. Um, but, you know, to me, I think that he was pushing back a bit against this idea that, you know, the Arab spring was created by Twitter and very much that the internet is going to revolutionize and democratize right. everything. Yeah. I think he's probably yeah. at saying, look, it's a tool. And ultimately, cool. what right. you should do is something interesting with it that can right. be radical versus, you know, right. um, the the stuff that's just d- distracting but not productive in some way.
1: And let me linger on what you just said or elaborate on something you just said right here because it's a kind of key point. Uh, I and I think this tells us a lot about Morosov's general approach to media and it is one of the things I like about his writing and why I want to read more about him. Um, He really is a great demystifier of the claims that, kind of the countercultural claims that lingered a lot. Uh, This idea that just to get on the internet is going to be a revolution. You know, it's going to be a crazy, we're going to be one step closer to a new step in human evolution just by logging on. Mm -hmm. You know, some of the exaggerated claims um, that were kind of par for the course about 10, 20 years ago in the uh, days of, you know, in the Steve Jobs era and things like this, you know, where this sense of just get a computer and then the world will be different and better. Um, and then that argument kind of resurfaced again uh, with the collapse of the Soviet Union or gained a new kind of edge in the, with the collapse of the Soviet Union and with the Arab Spring, uh, with the example of the Arab Spring. And he was one of the um, kind of demystifiers of this notion that the net net necessarily equal, that the net is more, technology is more than a tool. It's the revolution. It is the apocalypse. You know, he's always been sort of working against that idea.
0: Well, I think and this is gonna, you know, uh I think that there's a lot of people listening to this who probably will this this is my version of the EM Forrester joke, I guess. Um, you know, when, when computers first became widely available, it was gonna be this revolutionary thing, right? And everybody just played solitaire. Right. And and that's right. basically that's his argument in a nutshell. I mean, before there was YouTube, there was solitaire. And you have well, this machine that does all these wonderful things, but we're always just that i'm gonna I'm gonna absolutely squander the opportunity because that's what we do. And so I think that's what he's calling for.
1: He made a similar I was watching a documentary, and I don't remember the name of it, but there's a YouTube documentary that he did for Dutch television. Mm-hmm. I, I haven't finished watching it, but I'm reminded of what you just said. His specific example from Belarus as he said, you know, the first thing that maybe everybody is gonna do when they get the internet is they'll look for porn.
0: Mm-hmm, it, there's mm-hmm. an
1: assumption and let me, let me give you the best the, the better the whole context of the argument because it, it does tell you a lot about his art you know it tells you a lot about his uh, um, his take on the on media and why i think it's kind of refreshing so what he's arguing against is the assumption that the first thing that will happen if you give the internet to in his example he was talking about uh, former soviet republics and He was saying that there's an assumption that Westerners have um, that the first thing that will happen is that they'll start they'll immediately start searching for human rights violations. Right, right. And that they will first, you know, they'll find out more about democracy. The first thing that will happen uh is that they'll they'll start, you know, violating okay, well, how is my government violating human rights? What are the human rights violations around me? And uh um how can I find out more about American democracy? And he's saying, well, the reality is probably everybody is looking at cat videos or porn. That's mm-hmm. the first thing they're going to end up doing.
0: Yeah. That's so,
1: Yeah. Oh. I like his, uh, I, and this is kind of why I was calling him practical, mm-hmm. pragmatic, because in a way, a lot of his critique is just this, dare I say it, kind of commonsensical critique of the wildly inflated claim say maybe they're not made anymore michael but they no, used to be made right but you they know used i'll tell you made what, that internet will just revolutionize everything you just need a computer
0: you know what no they are being made and they're being made and i think with with different language but the 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 heart and soul is still there i mean we get this in education right where if you throw technology at kids it will solve the problem it will solve the problem right, right. and this notion, and I think the great, the sort of the, the educational analog here, right, is this, then this goes back probably 10 years or so, maybe about a little after he was writing this was this idea about the digital natives and the problems yeah. with our students was that we just weren't reaching them because they speak a much more advanced language it's a than we do. Much more
1: advanced language. It, and they're know. the next step of evolution. See, I, I like him for sort of puncturing those common sense ideas and kind of reminding us that in the spirit of this podcast, right? Technology is technology. Tools are tools. Mm-hmm. Finally, at the end of the day, tools are tools. Technology is technology. It's not the apocalypse.
0: No. Well, that's. I think that's a good place to end. That's a good place to end. Barry, I this think. was a good conversation. I enjoyed this.
1: I hope so. I hope so, Michael. It was a lot of fun talking about him. And I think in the future, we might have more, uh, let's let's forecast this. We might have more Morisov. We might have more crack hour. And we might have other things in our future, right? But those two might be among them.
0: I I, I, I think so. Possibly. All right. Well, Barry, have a wonderful uh, evening, and we'll, uh, we'll catch evening. up again soon.
1: All right. Thank you, Dr. Thank Michael. You. Take care. All right, Barry. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Critical Media Studies Podcast. To find out more about the show, check out our webpage at criticalmediastudiespodcast.com.